1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
2: You're listening to Mavs Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away.
1: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Mav Sports Take, episode 54. We are live here on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and a whole lot more. Here we tackle the business of all the news that you hear about, sports world specifically, and a lot that you also do not. We have an exciting show for you, me, myself, and Mr. David Turner, talking some ball, of course. We're going to be talking the latest news about the Super Conference, the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 apparently joining Allegiance to take on the mighty SEC and also about nine o'clock Eastern time. If you're staying with us live, we're gonna have Mr. Corey Stanisia on to the show. Corey is the director of external affairs at Dreamfield, which is founded by Florida State quarterback, Mackenzie Mullen and Miami star quarterback, De'Ara King. Dreamfield is a marketplace to book athletes for events or marketing campaigns. It is connecting athletes directly to consumers for NIL opportunities. So we want to talk some NIL with Corey. We want to talk about Dreamfield. And we want to talk about the future endeavors of the company. Before we get into all of that, though, are you an athlete looking to make money off of your name, image, or likeness? Whether you're a male or female athlete, there is a lot of opportunity out there for you to monetize your NIL while going to school. While others are approaching you, they have ulterior motives to gain you as a client later in life. Maverick Sports Consulting is offering you a friend in the business to assist you in finding opportunities, guide you to protective deals that are focused to benefit you. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female athlete, a golfer, a tennis player, football or basketball player. You could be earning money for your name, image and likeness right now. Email Maverick Sports Consulting today and we start working together tomorrow. So, David. Perfect intro, man! What a great promo because that's pretty much the whole second segment of the show. But uh, before we begin, I know we are on our weekly talk, and it's nice to you know be back in a couple weeks in a row here, my friend. How are you?
3: You know, I'm still on the mend, um, but I'm I'm upright <laughs> and I'm sitting in the chair tonight. So you know, I'm happy to be here. I'm obviously, it's uh, I'm getting better in health and it's good to be around talking some football and some business with you and you know patricia trainer had me on um on her podcast this week uh locked on giants talking some giants football which was great it's a good distraction from everything else i got going on health wise so i appreciate the love and support everybody's been reaching out and uh, been so kind checking in on me but uh, tonight it's all about let's talk some balls, some NIL, and you know talk about how we can uh, help help these young men and women out with uh, making money on their images right now. Yeah, and obviously
1: Maverick Sports uh, Consulting is in the business of helping people, and we want to see what Corey obviously has going on the second half of the show. The, of course, the big news, David, that we're talking about is I know there's still you know some things to work out with the whole deal, but basically. And we talked about, I talked about this with James um, recently on one of the podcasts. It's the fact of like, what's the next step for the other conferences outside of the SEC after Oklahoma and Texas are coming aboard? And we talked about the opportunity that maybe there's a super conference. And my initial reaction was, we might be talking Big 12 and Pac-12 maybe merging together and they're going to try to make some headway. The news is that we're talking potentially ACC, Big 10, and the Pac-12. And for me, that completely can't change the conversation. Because what I was really originally thinking about, I'm like, Pac 12 and Big 12 co- combining, like, who cares? Because the SEC is going to dominate that conference. But now that the ACC and the Big 10 are in this equation, I think this completely changed the formula of college football. I don't think it's an SEC runaway. So, how, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do some matchups. We're going to take top six teams, according to the AP poll, the most recent AP poll before the season starts. And we're going to match these teams up. We're going to figure out the top of the conferences, who would, in theory, be the better conference? Who would indeed be the super conference? So, Dave, before we get these matchups and roll them out here, your thoughts about the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 potentially joining very soon here?
3: You know, I'm not a for it. I'm again, I'm a traditionalist. I think you, there's ways to win in the uh, recruiting and marketing and dollars um, if you just do your job right. I think creating a super conference is again a way for us to just quit pretending that this is amateur sports still and, uh, you know, just ultimately wind up just giving them minor league contracts and sending them to college to uh, play. Because that's all they're, that's all they're proving with all this stuff is like, which's the better way to make more money? I mean, they're not saying which is the better way to get somebody educated or which's the better way to make sure our graduation graduation rates go up, and what's a better way for us to you know, uh, market our, our players um, that you know get graduate that graduate and get them jobs, the ones that don't go to the leagues, you know they're not doing any of that. All this is, is about making money off these young men and women um, while they're in school. And primarily, it's about football. You know, it's about how do we compete and contend with SEC football and make sure that we can uh, get our marketing dollars into our school and get that revenue to our school um, so our schools can profit more and survive more. You know, for me, when I look at it, it's just, again, it's just a farce, a continuation of a farce that this is a... Farce.
1: I love that that word. I'm sorry. Farce is a great (laughs) word. (laughs) But again,
3: it's a continuation of the farce that this is a, you know, unpaid uh, internship, basically, to get to the league. It's not it's, you know, this is a way for schools to make their money. They've set up their, you know, bank accounts around the revenue that football generates every year. Last year, when the um, big uh, when Penn State couldn't play all their games and everything, I know, for a fact, they took a loan um, to try to pay their bills because football generates so much money for them at each and every year. And that money wasn't going to come in and they already had to cancel basketball and different programs, uh, for ticket sales and things. So now they're like, wow, what are we going to do? Cause their profit, um, projections decreased. So they took a loan, uh, you know, for 18 months, I think it was in order to get through a football season and try to pay back the loan as well as stay afloat on the other stuff. So, When I look at this kind of super conference conversation, you know, fans might get excited about the matchups, but that's what they want to distract you with here on mass sports. We're talking about the business of it. And this is all about business. This is about driving more revenue and shares of the, you know, TV dollars and the viewer dollars to their conferences and to their schools.
1: Well, let's take the new super conference potentially though, in in the conversation, because obviously everything's driven by money. I'm not arguing that my question is, What is the divide here between the fact that like, they're trying to make money? We're talking specifically about the Super Conference. I'm not talking about the SEC for a second, bringing in Oklahoma and Texas. I'm talking about potentially these three conferences merging. What do you think is the divide between making money, but also I I feel like this is a a mission for them to try to compete because otherwise those conferences are going to get buried by this SEC conference. Like, If if you're talking about the Big 12 without Oklahoma, they're going to get buried. We're talking about, hey, the ACC and the Big Ten are solid conferences, but, like, they're a little top-heavy. We're talking about an Ohio State in one. We're talking to Clemson in the other. It, as a conference, are they really competing against the SEC? I think that this is more a power struggle conversation. I feel like they're trying to say power struggle we, we, in we what can way. be in the conversation. In what way? Because they want to be able to actually compete against the SEC and potentially in what
3: way compete in recruiting, compete in bowl games, compete on the field,
1: everything. Because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You and I
3: differ because again, the SEC has bottom end fatigue. Like we went through a couple weeks ago when I was on and we were talking about it. Like you know, if you're if you're Clemson, if you're Florida State, if you're Florida. I mean, if you're Florida State and you're Clemson, you can't out recruit, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You can't out recruit Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? Like well, they're SEC they are. school, right? They are, but
1: but my point is my point is that the that it's 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 larger than just like winning the recruiting battle, though. Like we I think that Oklahoma is definitely gonna get a bump from being in the SEC, for instance. But like the, the thing is here, is like Clemson is now like the I'm not looking at it from a team by team structure. I'm looking at it as a conference versus conference conversation. Right now, the ACC and the Big Ten and these other conferences, I think we're like panicking because it's not only just the fact of like, hey, the SEC is the most dominant conference in college football. They're winning national championships, even though Clemson has kind of closed the gap a little bit on Alabama in recent years. It's the fact of not only are you probably not going to be the, the you know, you're not in the conference where, just the the ability to play in the big 10 is going to sweat you away from the sec. You don't have that already, but now you're in the, the conversation where like that is going to trickle down to less recruiting. That's going to trickle down for less money. So I think that money is definitely a cr- part of the conversation, but I think it's more about trying to put a product on the field that can compete against the sec or not. You're going to lose in every area. I don't think it's just the money conversation. I really don't.
3: Well, again, I disagree because again, the focus for these young men and you women You watch your toe with me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I watch my tone you asshole. I'll watch it all day long. <laughs> Don't get me going. This is not a PG show. So not. so listen, fucker. The 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 deal is it's not about competing to get these kids more education. It's not a deal about competing to get government contracts, you know, for the de- defense department to, you know, go in a bid on something the science department's doing. So when you're talking about winning on all levels and all fields and all, you're talking about recruiting and advertising dollars and bringing in money and revenue. That's all you're talking about because it's not talking about any off the field stuff. It's not, you're not talking about, you know, they have to have a super conference in order to win, uh, you know, like I said, government bill, uh, bonds or, 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 uh, revenue for, you know, the science department, that's not going to be part of this deal. You know, this deal is going to be TV revenue coming in through the sports departments, mainly through the football and basketball uh, matchups in order to fund the schools and bring in more revenue for each school through these advertising dollars and these TV revenue. That's all you're talking about. And again, I think that puts an overemphasis, overemphasization on on the money for these, what's supposedly supposed to be amateur athletes going to school, 18 to 22 year old young men and women going to school and playing sports that are called student athletes for a reason. And we're, we are, and and, and the more we make these deals, the more we push the money, the more we make super conferences all for revenue and and TV deals is all we're doing is like I said, is, is increasing the farce. That it's an amateur sport, it's not there. Everybody's trying to make money on these deals because there's a bunch of money out there to be made. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not, there's a ton of money to be made. But when you're saying they need these super conferences, you don't. I mean, if you go to the ACE, if you go to the SEC, I mean, name the top five teams in the SEC.
1: We're going to very quick, very shortly, right? We're
3: going to go there in a minute. And again, when you do name the top five in the SEC. There are teams in other conferences that can compete with them, and they can do that in the bowl games. They can do that in the bowl playoff series. They can do that in other ways. You don't need to tear apart these conferences in order to win on Saturday's viewership. All you have to do is start recruiting better, putting better packages together to get better players into your schools and keep them away from the SEC schools. And then guess what? Your product on the field is better and you'll get better deals. It's the way three, it go.
1: Three points. Three points. You ready for this? One. Three
3: points. This is what are you? Steph Curry shooting three pointers now?
1: I'm about to, man. I'm about, to, about to hit some shots right now. First point I, I'm not even arguing for the validity of the super conferences. I'm not saying that I want it to be like this. I'm saying that I think this, is, this was inevitable, I think this was going to happen. I talked to James about this last week when you, uh, when you were here, and I said I think the Super Conference thing is going to happen just because I think that they're going to try to make up the grounds now that Oklahoma is in the SEC. That's all I'm saying for that point. Number two, you managed to say farce about five times in a, in a podcast, which is absolutely phenomenal. I can't believe that you did that. Three, overemphasization is not a word. So I just you to, to look out. it
3: up because i don't don't think think that's a word when you overemphasize something you're overemphasization
1: i don't think that's a word if anybody in the chat right now we have some guys listening If you can tell me in the chat if overemphasization because i can't even say it because i don't think it's a word because it's not because
3: you can't pronounce it doesn't mean it's not a word
1: i don't i
3: don't think you're not an english teacher that's all i'm saying
1: I do teach reading and language arts, but that's another conversation <laughs> for another side. I do actually teach—not um, just a math teacher, man. I teach it all, you know. So, um, yeah, let's get to some games because I don't know what you're doing. You're really, you're really stalling on this conversation. So, what we—I'm did- not stalling
3: on the conference. I think it's a terrible idea to have a super conference. I think it—it it absolutely craps on the freaking traditional, um, the traditional, sus, you know, sus setup of. Uh, of of football and conferences. And the whole reason they've been put together is to limit the travel for athletes, to limit the um, demand sports put on athletes. And that's why conferences were created in the first part in the first place, I should say, is to regionalize. So student athletes will still be able to go to class and play sports. And the travel demands on these young men and women were not overly demanding. So you didn't have a Washington having to fly down to Florida and then go to Florida state and then go to Clemson just to play three games in a row. These young men can stay at home. They could play, you know, Washington, Washington state, Idaho, and they were bus trips. They were just quick little bus trips and they could get back to school and go to and go back to school and and get back into the books. And again, the more we allow these conferences and these pe and, and these decision makers to only look at the bottom line and not look at the impact it's making on the young men and women that these decisions are making. We are just continuing the farce that this is, you know, uh, amateur athletics and they should be happy to not be paid. And, you know, they're getting a free education and they get books and meals and everything paid for. Well, that's great. But look at the, the decisions that are being made aren't to help these young men and women create better studying environments and go into class. The decisions are about increasing profits for the school.
1: You managed to take 15 minutes of just arguing with me, just arguing with me. I can't believe it. Can we get into some games? Let's get into some games. At least I won the argument. You didn't win anything. You didn't win anything. (laughs) Um, um, Forget I almost said an inappropriate joke. So we have, what we did here is we took, the top six teams in the newly formed SEC conference, counting Oklahoma and Texas part of the equation. And we took six teams that would be, in theory, a part of this ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 powerhouse. How we found these matchups were, again, AP poll. I went to the AP poll. I went down the list. This is the first SEC team. This is the second SEC team, third, and so on and so forth. So we want to talk these matchups, and we want to decide, What in top of the conference is more powerful? Because, like, we can talk about the Vanderbilts of the world. We can talk about the Dukes of the world. But at the end of the day, these are the teams that are going to be in the conversation for making a push, hopefully, towards a national championship. So we want to talk about these teams. These are what are going to drive these products. So the first one, David, of course, defending national champs. I think they've won, like, five in the last ten years, whatever it is. Alabama Crimson Tide led by head coach Nick Saban, taking on the Clemson Tigers. I think this is a fantastic conversation, David, because we have seen Alabama build a dynasty, but Clemson has fought back. They've won a couple in the last few seasons now. And for me, if you ask me who are the best two teams in college football over the last five years, five to ten years, it would be Clemson and it would be Alabama. Those would be the two teams. So this is not, in my opinion, a runaway. I think this is a real conversation. We're talking about Alabama that is breaking in a new starting quarterback, sophomore Bryce Young. We're talking about a team in Clemson that is also breaking in a new starting quarterback. But also, DJ Uyunglele did start a couple games last year in Trevor Lawrence's absence. Wait, can
3: you say that again?
1: DJ, DJ Uyunglele. That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> That's actually, no, no, no. You're making fun of me. But no, I did-
3: I'm not. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Because you know me with names. I will butcher them all day long. So okay. I am impressed that you got that out twice in a row.
1: I'm just saying, David, when I did Locked On Irish for the Locked On Network, the first game that we covered was the first Clemson game where Notre Dame won, and he was starting quarterback for Trevor Lawrence, who was in COVID protocol. So DJ Uyunglele, starting quarterback for Clemson. Bryce Young, starting quarterback for Alabama. For me, David... I would probably take Alabama, but I think it's a close one. I think it's a close one this year, specifically with a young quarterback coming in. But I if if you said Clemson here, I would I would say I get it. If you said Alabama here, I would get it. I think this is a pretty good split, but I would take Alabama here. You
3: know, when I look at Alabama, I remember what um Pete Carroll used to say when he was at SC. You know, he said that. Going to the NFL is a a tougher job than coaching in in college football because, at least in college football, he can recruit all the five-star athletes he wants and blue chippers he wants. In the NFL, you only get so many first-rounders because of salary cap. So, you know, when you look at Alabama, I think they're surrounded with a lot of talent. I think the talent's a little young this year. I think we're going to see some more sophomores and juniors trying to compete for positions and roster spots. Excuse me. But, you know, in this kind of situation, I'm never going to count out you know, I'm not going to count out what they're doing down there at Alabama, and I think that, you know, Nick Saban versus Clemson right now, I, I think that's going to be the better matchup here, and I think you're going to see the Alabama uh, tied roll.
4: Roll? Oh, you don't
3: think
1: it's close. You think it's a roll, huh?
3: I think it's a roll.
1: All right, all right. That's fair enough. So we both picked Alabama. I think the outcome's a little closer than what David's talking about, but either way, we're going to say SEC one, Power Conference zero to start here. Next game, I had to include Oklahoma in the conversation. I think they were number two in the AP poll to start the season. They're taking down Ohio State. Oklahoma has a very good team coming back. Spencer Rattler, a quarterback, um, second-year quarterback under Lincoln Riley. They have an experienced offensive line on the interior. Both starting guards are back. They have a defense who – it might be the best Oklahoma defense we've seen in a few years. Uh, to be honest with you, look, guys like Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas and uh, a couple nice linebackers. There's there's dudes all over the Alabama, Oklahoma defense, which has not been a a plentiful harvest for defensive talent over the last few years. So they are getting things turned around in the right direction on the defensive side of the football. They always have that offense taking on Ohio State, who is also breaking in a first year quarterback, CJ Stroud, who just got announced as the starting quarterback. But uh, I mean, it's Ohio State, right? So they're reloading every single year. They have the best wide receiver tandem returning to college football. They have a very experienced offensive line, especially at offensive tackle returning. They have, of course, their usual Zach Harrison at defensive end, who is the next in the line, 6'6", 265-pound defensive end. They got Haskell Garrett. There's a lot of dudes on that defense returning. I would take here David in this new matchup I think that especially when we're talking about this type of tournament where it's more like a, a postseason kind of affair right like this is kind of like a playoff feel. I would take Ohio State because Ohio State's kind of been there and done that more than Oklahoma has Oklahoma's gotten to the playoff they've gotten to the show they've gotten to the national spotlight but they've kind of fizzled in playoff games at this point we've seen Ohio State in the last five to ten years, win win a national championship. We've seen them be competitive in the playoffs, obviously. Although breaking in a new quarterback, I would take Ohio State in this matchup against Oklahoma.
3: Yeah, not so fast there, big boy. Oh, so, here
1: we go. Here we go. Well,
3: again, <laughs> I anybody who listened to us last year in college season, I'm not a big Ohio State fan. Never have been, never will be. Because I really don't think they match up against anybody all year. And then they play in their bowl game when they're completely healthy. And everybody goes, Oh, Ohio State's great. No, it don't. I don't, I'm just <laughs> don't abide Stop. by it. And very little and very few of their players, in my opinion, go to the NFL and really become dudes. I think they're you know, there are a lot of them are farce. Um, and there you go again. So, I'm going to continue to oh, work yeah, that you're, word. You're,
1: you're, not, you're not a big fan of Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa and Marshawn Lattimore. The Bosa brothers,
3: again, I'm saying most of their players. Chase I'm not Young. Of I, forgot,
1: I forgot about Chase. Chase Young. raw,
3: raw. I mean, he's he's him and the Bosa brothers, those three rush ends, but go off that, go to a quarterback. Give me some other um, positions, Justin and again, Fields, there are baby. some.
1: Justin again, Fields, there baby. are some.
3: I'm not going to sit there and, and, and bash the whole program, but I just I'm not a big believer in the Ohio State program. So for me, you know, I like players from Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma players. Always have been a big fan of Oklahoma football. I think Oklahoma football turns out a lot of good players. I think they put, turn out some incredible uh, offensive and defensive linemen. You know, good running backs. You know, so for me, when I look at this matchup, when I saw you match them up, you know, the oh, I was going for was Oklahoma.
1: Okay, well, I am I am overruling you here, and I'm giving a win for the for the Power Conference, I'm going with Ohio State here. Next matchup, keep it moving, keep it moving. Georgia Bulldogs against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Of course, the Tar Heels are fresh off a double digit win season mm-hmm. under Mack Brown. Sam Howell, quarterback potential, top ten pick, returning. Going against a Georgia team that has JT Daniels, who finished the season off with a good stretch there at quarterback. Obviously, they have some defensive players like Tavon Walker, uh, Quay Walker, um, uh, the other linebacker. His name escaping me at the moment. They have a few dudes returning, as they always do. Offensive line has some guys coming back as well. Uh, David, I'll let you start here. Georgia, North Carolina, how do you see this matchup going?
3: How about them dogs?
1: ah let's go right. Let, let's 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 keep that let's keep that one easy and moving on i'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna I mean, take let's Jordan go there. let's
3: so, get them dogs going i like what the, the unc did last year they have both running backs obviously enjoyed the enjoyed what they did last year i don't see the same production this year they lost the, the receiver the running backs to the uh to the nfl and i just don't see those parts at unc being replaced quickly and easily georgia always seems to have a good team whether they start slow and then build later They always seem to finish strong, so I'm going with the dogs.
1: That one's an easy one. Uh, I would say that that one was, uh, you know, pretty slam dunk. Didn't want to spend too much time on that one because I think that that one's kind of a pretty no brainer. We have again, we have Corey Mesia coming on in a second. Director of External Affairs at Dreamfield. Definitely want to get involved in the conversation. Nil and Dreamfield alike want to finish out on these real quick, David. Maybe more, a little more brief of a conversation here so we get Corey on. Texas A&M, Oregon. This one's interesting because Texas A&M has some dudes returning. Anaya Smith, Isaiah Spiller on offense, Canyon Green, one of the highest-rated offensive linemen that I have done this summer so far, preliminary reports, moving out to right tackle. They got DeMarvin Lial, who could be a first-round pick on the defensive line. They got a couple of defensive ends that are in the Senior Bowl watch list. They got a corner, Miles Miles um, Jones, who's a talented football player, about six foot four corner, which is abnormal. You don't see it too often. Uh, taking on Oregon, who quietly has put together some dudes. Also, Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously most uh, known there defensive end, who could be the first defensive player off the board. Could be the first non-quarterback off the board. Maybe the first player off the board, depending on how the board falls. Um, so they have done a good job and really turned around that program pretty quickly, uh, to say the least. I would still take Texas A&M, though. I would still take Texas A&M just because I think there's a lot of dudes on that team coming back, and I think that that team is primed to compete in the SEC. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna unseat Alabama, but I think if there's a team that I'm comfortable saying could end up being the second best team in, in the SEC this year, I would take Texas A&M. So give me A&M over Oregon.
3: Yeah, even with Thibodeau, who I love, you know, I think he – I mean, last year I was amazed by the way he could rush. I think he's going to be a very uh, outstanding young man coming into the league eventually. But um I, I gotta go with AM here. I think A&M has a better offensive line and I think they'll be more committed to the run game, which is something I always love in football because I'm a traditionalist. Um but Thibodeau, yeah, don't don't hedge away from what Thibodeau is about to do this season. He's gonna he's gonna wreck shop and really catch a lot of attention. He's he's gonna be an incredible player, I feel, this year.
1: All right, so we're three to one in favor of the SEC. That game, I do think would be close, though. By the way, but I do think Texas A&M would take it. Florida, Wisconsin. Florida breaking in a new quarterback. Wisconsin, very talented football team. Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn, quarterback Graham Mertz entering now his second year, non-COVID season, but finally a full season hopefully for Wisconsin. After running into a lot of COVID difficulty this year, give me Wisconsin here, damn it! I think Florida is a farce. You
3: know what? Listen on. No, <laughs>
1: Go
3: ahead. Last year, you, you you got on me. I, I was early, and I was often on Florida, and you kept telling me, no, 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 and they did nothing but win and you know prove you wrong. Defense so, sucks, like,
1: breaking in a new man, quarterback. You know. I love
3: Wisconsin's defensive scheme. I really do. I love what they're doing there on the defense. I, I think they have a solid, talented team. This is a close one. I really feel that it would be a close one but I do feel that Florida would wind up taking this one. I don't, want, I don't
1: want to hear it, man. I don't want
3: to hear it. Florida. I know is, you want to hear it because you like being you're, – you're, you're a Florida hater. You're a Gator a hater. 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 Just say you're a Gator hater because you're a Gator hater. I'm a realist, man. I'm a
1: realist. Last game that we have to hit on. Everybody all out the there, Ryan's LSU. a Gator hater. LSU. Gator hater. LSU versus Miami. Um, I'm not, I am not a Miami dude. David knows <laughs> know this, but I quickly here. I think LSU's in a little bit of trouble. I think they are. I think they are, man. There's, it's a mess down there. Who's their quarterback. A lot of guys are leaving the program. Lost Derry Rosenthal, their star offensive tackle this offseason, Lost a lot of guys, the NFL. They got some guys like Andre Anthony, solid player, Ali Gay, a defensive end. Like there's always going to be some dudes. Of course, Derek Stingley might be the first corner off the board, might be the first defensive player off the board in the 2022 NFL draft. But I'm going to take Miami here, reluctantly, because you know, David, after all our conversations, I am not a Miami guy, but I would take them You're right now. You're not a Florida guy. Any, any,
3: any campus in the in Florida, you are going to go against.
1: Well, man, any, let's, let's
3: look. <laughs> Any single school no, in the state of stop, Florida, stop, you pick stop. against. You want to talk about traditionalists?
1: I like defense, so I don't like Florida because they have one of the worst defenses I saw last season. Florida State is an absolute mess. And Miami's been back for like ten years, and they're still not back. They're still not the U. So I don't want to hear about it. All right, you got you got to pick in this game or not? You got to pick. You got to make a pick or,
3: like you said, LSU. We just don't know enough of what's going on. There's too many question marks up and down the line. There, Miami to me has a, a more consistent team coming back. And to me, you know, you can't ever count out the U. Come on, now it's the U. So I got to oh pick my the God. U.
1: They haven't been to you in like 15 years. Jesus. That's okay. All right. The
3: Cowboys haven't won a championship in 26 and Jerry Jones still keep making a profit over there. All right. Okay. Anyway,
1: so I want to bring <laughs> on Mr. Corey Stanizia to the show right now. He is the director of external affairs at Dreamfield. Of course, Dreamfield is founded by Florida, current Florida State quarterback Mackenzie Milton and Miami quarterback De'Ara King. Dreamfield is a marketplace to book athletes for events of or marketing campaigns. It is a connecting athletes directly to consumers for NIL opportunities. Corey, I appreciate you coming on, man. How are you doing?
4: Absolutely doing doing well tonight. I appreciate you guys having me. I feel like after that conversation, I gotta probably turn my hat around and just represent <laughs> the state of Florida in every way, Get shape, them. and form here. Yeah, Especially for my guys right McKenzie and my guy Derek down in Miami. I feel like I gotta <laughs> I rep it now.
1: Well, I just picked Miami, so I think I'm all right. You I don't picked know. them
3: reluctantly. You you reluctantly <laughs> picked him. You even said that word. You said, I'm reluctantly picking Miami. All right. Well, can we get to the real conversation here, David? All right. I understand. You're a Gator hater. Let's just be honest. Okay. Just, I'm going to get you a yeah, sure I'm a Gator hater. You know funny hey, no, when Sanders, I start- so,
4: so am I. So am I. So I'll join you <laughs> in that one
3: you want to order one of those I'll get you one too okay let's Co- do it. Corey,
1: Corey as soon as I started reading Mackenzie's name and the Eric's name too I was like thinking for a second I'm like why well, I just trashed the state of Florida and then I just introduced those two guys so
3: yeah the yes, entire so, state of Florida entire yes. state of Florida.
1: Well, Corey, we do we really do appreciate you hopping on with us, man. I'm excited not only to talk about Dreamfield and everything that you guys have going on there for, as a company perspective, but I also want to talk heavily, obviously, into the name, image, and likeness uh, movement that we are seeing now, which obviously is helping athletes make a profit off of their off of their name, right, off of their image and their likeness. So, want to take us through real quick if you can just give us a little background, professional experiences, and how. It has led you to becoming an advocate for college athletes. Basically, how have you gotten here professionally?
4: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And and it's funny. So so my background actually was college athletics. So when I was in school, I went to Florida State and I went to the University of South Florida. When I was an undergrad at USF, I actually worked for four years for the USF football team. I started as a student manager. I didn't know anything about about cameras or I was definitely afraid of heights. And someone handed me a camera and said, you want to get up in the lift 45 feet up? I was like, sure, I'll figure it out. I was 18, 19 years old. I said, like, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. I was under the, in the Jim Levitt years, we were, we were actually good and winning, winning football games and beating schools like UCF. And and um, so I learned a lot about, about you know, college athletics and, and the way these athletes are, the way they're treated. And it's funny, when I was in college and I was in the moment, you know, I was one of those people that said, you know, these athletes get everything. These athletes get everything that, you know, they, they get their scholarships taken care of, they get this, they get that. And then the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I, I read about it and the older I got, the more I realized that this is actually terrible. You know, they shouldn't just be thankful that they're in a video game. They should be compensated fairly, just like every other human being on this planet. And after my stint in college athletics, I got into Florida politics. So for the last decade, I've been working in Tallahassee um, for a couple of members, um, working in the political realm. Um, and you know what? I thank California for one thing and one thing only. And that's actually filing the original legislation because the idea popped in my head when I was Representative Chip Lamarcus, chief of staff for the last three years. I said, I can't believe I never thought about legislating out uh, uh, an NCAA issue like name, image and likeness. So I took it to Representative Lamarcus and we got to do this. And sure enough, we jumped headfirst into it and, and went, got to work. And Governor DeSantis got right behind us. And before you know it, we had a bill where we were pushing the envelope and ultimately landed on July 1st of 2021. And then you re- quickly saw the whole entire Southeast, the whole SEC conference, any state that has an SEC school quickly followed suit. And you saw an immense amount of pressure on the NCAA to make a movement, make something happen. And clearly they waited until about six hours beforehand. So then ultimately that sped up the process and led me towards to, to, to Dreamfield. And I, I, I met Lewis through a family, you know, a friend of a friend. I uh, met him about a year ago. We started talking, you know, I started seeing what they were building. And then when we decided to bring on two athletes, um, I said, all right, we're building something special here, we're building something unique. Um, that's when I chose to, to leave the Florida House of Representatives and join Dreamfield on July 1st. And um, <clears throat> it's been a whirlwind. It really has. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that we're seeing now in, in college athletics. This is the biggest thing to happen in college athletics in the, probably the last 100 years, in my opinion. Uh, it's totally changed the face of, of, of the game, um, for better or for worse. But I, I feel strongly that it was for the better. Um, again, now you know, people think this is all about the big endorsement deal. It's about the Nike contract. It's about the quarterback getting this and getting that. But really, when it comes down to it, when you see a, you know, a football player at Marshall being able to sell his country music album on iTunes for the first time in history, that's fantastic. That's progress. And this is, this is a great thing for, for many, many you know, actually all athletes, no matter who you are. And we're seeing some really unique deals happening, whether it's for a hundred dollars or for, for $20,000 plus, I mean, we're seeing really unique opportunities and possibilities for every one of these athletes, male, female, you know, Hispanic, white, African-American, you name it in, in revenue sports, non-revenue sports, we're seeing it and, and it's really exciting times.
3: You know, I, I, I've been fascinated from this and I've, I've heard from <clears throat> a lot of my friends who are agents And they've jumped into this market trying to, you know, obviously help the young men and women out, understanding their uh, negotiational strategies as well as their positions of strength in order to not maybe even get into exclusive deals and have non-exclusive deals and stuff. And then I've talked to schools how they're really leery of uh, kind of recommending any kind of uh, services for the athletes because they don't want to get in trouble with overstepping boundaries. And it seems like it's kind of the wild west going out there right now. But this idea of Dreamfield, you 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 touched on it a little bit that it, it came up with conversations and and I guess, you know, with the legislation and everything. But where did the nitty-gritty come from? Where did the like, you know what, we're gonna set up a marketplace? Where 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 did that like formulate? How did that maturate? Where were the grassroots on that?
4: Yeah, so so the idea of the marketplace came kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. We we kind of took a couple different, you know, existing business models and kind of mash them together. You know, it's a little bit of Cameo, makes a little bit of Airbnb and Uber, right? I mean, Uber exists because someone owns a car and then someone wants a ride. So we said, all right, how do we find someone that has a car and someone that needs a ride in, in, in the college athletic world? But at the same time, we really value the idea of keeping not only the businesses, but also the athletes compliant. So we actually consider ourselves more of a compliance software, more of a more of a tech startup really is what it is, because in the beginning, when, when July 1st happened, we saw a couple of big events that we helped organize, you know, it was McKenzie Milton at Miller's Alehouse in Tallahassee. It was De'Ara King down at the wharf in Miami with the, with the mayor and McKenzie with the governor and his, and his guys in Tallahassee. And, you know, the more we went on, we kind of hit, I'll I'll share with you a little bit of, not a lull, but the the early adopters came out right away. Week one, people were signing deals and then all of a sudden it kind of tailed off. Right. And then, it became trying to educate some brands and some companies of, all right, this is actually what you can do. I mean, we talked to a lot of people either right before July 1st and then right after. And I'll tell you what, you know, some of them from car dealers, whatever, you know, one, one person after I explained what name image likeness was literally said, is the NCAA OK with this? And I said, well, not really, but that's kind of the point. You know, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's about educating. But so now we're actually seeing very large brands. We'll have an exciting announcement here in the next 48 hours, some large brands coming to us saying, all right, you've now have this smart contracting technology. You have this marketplace. You've aggregated hundreds of athletes. We don't want to chase athletes down in direct messages. We don't want to send them, you know, W-9s. We don't want to send them a 1099 the end of the year. We don't want to have to worry about to send them a paycheck, payroll, this and the other thing. You guys handle all of those things for us. So now they're coming with marketing plans and saying, all right, We want to hire thirty to fifty athletes across the country in these marketplaces, or maybe just the state of Florida. And we want to help. We want you to help us aggregate those athletes. So that's really what we're doing. So some people think we're acting like an agent. We're really not trying to replace the agents at all because we don't take a penny from the athlete. The athlete keeps one hundred percent of what they earn. So if they have a deal with an agent on the back end, that's up to them. That's in the free market. You can still pay your agent, have your contracts. Um, But but yes, it's, it's important for these athletes to be able to go somewhere to a safe non-predatory environment where they can find deals or deals can find them. And that's what we're, that's, that's, that was the goal of Dreamfill, and That's what we're trying to achieve every day.
1: And and I was going to say, Corey, it's so nice that you are taking that pressure off the athletes. Cause I know I've seen a lot of athletes out there just in social media that are trying to find their way in the NLAL market. And they're, they're just, I I feel like a lot of them are undereducated on, you know, just the process. And I think it's stressful for a lot of people because they're kind of, freaking out like i can finally make money off of what i my, my brand what i've built here but i just don't know about how to go about it so i think that's kind of the the big um big like thing that i really love about just kind of the the company as, as a whole is that you're taking the pressure off of these athletes in a sense
4: Right. Yeah. Because like you said before, what you alluded to is that, you know, these universities, the more we spoke to universities, whether on, when I was on the political side, you know, talking to, to general counsels, talking to compliance staff, they understand that they can't fully give true guidance and advice. Right, They can give guidance, but they can't really give advice. You know, if you're a general counsel, let's say a Florida State University and an athlete comes to you and asks a question, you really can't give them a true answer because, I mean, A, you can be disbarred. You know, it's, it's the unlicensed practice of law at that time because you're fiduciary. Is to the university itself, not to the athlete as for, for a private, you know, of, uh, something that's happening in the third, you know, as a third party. So we saw that as an area where we can step in and help facilitate these deals in a really easy, compliant way with a couple clicks of a mouse. You can have a, a you know, a, a contract that's formulated, boilerplate, very standard, um, worked on by some of the best attorneys in sports law in the country that gets passed right along through some of our trusted providers. So we're, we're one of the trusted providers for two of the big compliance software companies and athlines and influencer. So it's being disclosed directly to those university compliance departments. Uh, the athlete doesn't have to do a lot. Uh, the, the, the contracts, deals will get approved, sent right back, and then they can go to work and, and do what they do. Um, and really what we care about is that micro endorsement deal, right? We, we at Dreamfield really don't care about Maybe we don't care about the 100 dollars deal for a nationwide TV commercial where they're announcing it in Times Square. We really care about helping the smaller athlete in larger quantities. But how do we get these smaller micro-targeted deals in, in an Orlando area or you know, at Alabama, Huntsville, or down in, in uh, Norman, Oklahoma? That's really what we care about. And we're seeing people join our platform. We have over 500 athletes now, from baseball players to starting quarterbacks at Northwestern, starting quarterback at Ole Miss. Um, obviously, we have Derek and, and KZ. But then you also see, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, Reagan Smith, who's the gymnast at University of Oklahoma. So we're seeing some really unique talent come our way. We have a couple Olympians, one bronze medal winner on the platform now, too.
3: No, I think it's a, it's an awesome needed need be. And that's why we offer a service at Mavericks to try to help the young men and women. So, you know, again, kind of like you, we work in a way to educate them on what they can do, what they can't do. And then we also contact the universities that they're in. They're in uh, compliance with to make sure we're not stepping that whatever deals the athletes getting is not stepping on the toes of the university. Cause right now I know that's one thing. The university is like, what if we're an Adidas team and we have an athlete trying to negotiate with Nike, you know, and, and then the Nike deal says X, Y, Z, but that's in conflict with what we have. And as a university, we really can't advise them not to take the deal, but once they have the deal and they try to come on the field in their Nike gym suit or whatever for warmups, we got to tell them they can't do that because it does it conflicts with our deal. And so, you know, that's one avenue that us at Mavericks, we we try to review both sides of the deals. So when we can say, Hey, if you sign this deal, you're going to have this problem. Why not ask for something else or see if they're good, comfortable with something else um, to trade this one out. So it doesn't conflict with the deal that your university has. Now, how do you see the growth going for the company? I know you were just mentioning the bronze medalists and, um some of the gymnasts and uh, you know different players and positions uh but where do you see the growth going uh in the next say 90 days
4: Yeah I think for us you know we we've kind of seen this this movement towards again this aggregation this smart contracting aggregation of athletes where where we it's really not so much the one off deals you know we see the mom and pops you know coming in and saying oh you know I want to hire you know, I want to hire KZ in Tallahassee to come down to the local, you know, sandwich shop or something like that. We're we're seeing some of those, you know, and those are gonna exist forever. And we have, you know, the the athletes on the platform that you can just, you know, essentially go choose, you know, the time of that athlete, which is technically the inventory. The inventory is the athlete's time that you can buy for a live event, an autograph signing, social media, things like that. But what we're starting to now see is this large scale. How do I hire you know 50? really what they really is it's really influencers part of these mar- these these brands marketing campaigns for influencers are now pivoting and saying all right how do i now start activating and engaging with a college athlete across the country where maybe Uh, you know, a a professional sports organization doesn't exist. And these are the only, this is the only show in town, like in a Gainesville or Norman, Oklahoma, or in, you know, Manhattan, Kansas, we're seeing those kind of deals starting to take place and formulate. So I think in the next 90 days where you're going to start seeing is some large brands coming on board on platforms like Dreamfield, partnering with Dreamfield and saying, okay, help us now navigate hiring 50 athletes. I think that's what you're going to start to see, and that's what we're already dealing with on the back end of trying to formulate, all right, how do we start moving these different pieces and parts? And luckily for them, you know, we have these relationships with athletic directors and compliance directors where we're able to help kind of navigate this for the brand in this new territory. And I think things are going to get a lot easier, and the, the more and more the technology grows, the more and more automated this process is going to become. And the more and more compliance directors figure this out, athletic directors figure it out, state laws maybe become more and more clear. Um, you know, We'll work on the state law down here in, uh, in Florida this year um, on tweaking the bill a little bit and making it a little bit cleaner. So I look forward to working on that, putting on my old political boots and getting back in on it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's in the next 90 days. I think that's what you're going to see. I think you see large brands finally figure this out and say, OK, our marketing team has digested what NIL is. And now we understand how we can utilize this. And now we start engaging with a whole different kind of market um, in in the advertising space. So I think that's going to be the future of it.
1: And again, we're joined here by Corey Stanicia, director of external affairs at Dreamfield talking NIL and everything Dreamfield Corey, interested. And I wanted to kind of ask this uh, before we get off, because I find it very fascinating because obviously I know you have the Florida roots. We've kind of gone over a little bit. We've talked about Mackenzie Milton. We've talked about the Eric King, obviously their brands kind of speak for themselves. When you were, when you were, like taking the idea into tangible like this is a this is the route that we're going to go and you were trying to find those athletes uh partners in, in this brand and in this launch of a company how intensive was that you know finding the right partners and what was it about mckenzie and the eric for you that set them apart as the perfect partners for the company
4: well the two of them i mean first of all are are Absolute rock stars, right? I mean, they are absolute superstars on and off the field. You know, we always respected the hell out of McKenzie, you know, for doing what we're going through what he went through, you know, that injury down at UCF. I mean, I remember watching that live on TV as a USF guy and just being absolutely floored by it. And it's funny, I got to know McKenzie on a real personal level when we went through the political fight um, back in, in Jesus, it's about March now when the state of Florida tried rolling back the implementation date. Uh, I don't know if you guys followed that or not, but yeah. uh, there was about a three day period towards the end of our legislative session that they were going to roll it back. And my phone rang and it was KZ on the other end saying, how do I help? Because he made the conscious decision to stay in the state of Florida yeah. for his grad school because NIL was on the table. So he said, I'm, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay here and, and continue my education and, and work on NIL while I'm in school. And I got one more shot at this. So um Actually, he's the one who connected us with, with Derek. And so the two of them, um, you know, were kind of in the same boat. It, they became friends after their injuries together. And, you know, as, and they were competitors at one point at UCF in Houston. And now competitors again at Florida State in Miami. So it's a pretty unique um, pretty unique kind of kind of love story. You know, it, it's it's a Romeo and Juliet. They're supposed to hate each other. But actually, you know, they're, they're business partners and friends. And um, it's really unique to, to lean on them for advice. Uh, sometimes, you know, even though I was a, a former athlete, I was a hockey player and a lacrosse player, um, you know, you kind of look around and you think in your head, this is always oh, a great idea. And then you talk to them and they say, no, nah, it's really not. You're like, okay, you're right. <laughs> we didn't think about that. So it's, you, it, it's really refreshing to have, um, a different perspective from the athlete, a current athlete, not a former athlete, a current athlete in this landscape, um, who are treating this like a pure business relationship. Um, and I don't think there's any better businessman out there then Mackenzie Millen and Tierra King.
3: Wow, this has been a very informative. I hope our fans and our listeners have taken advantage of this conversation because, I mean, you're dropping knowledge all over the place, and this is exactly what we like to bring to our our listeners: is the business side of sports, and NIL is at the hot new topic, and it's again, it's forging new. Ground. I mean, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be rule violations because people don't really understand, like you said, they don't understand the rules just yet, whether it's compliance or big business. You know, and I think the next 90 days and through this first football and and through the NC two A basketball tournament, um, even in the spring, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out in the first 12 months of NIL. So I really thank you for coming on tonight and educating our people. Hopefully, we can get you back on maybe in 90 days and see if your projection and predictions were. We're we're right, and then we could say, "Hey, guess what? Here's some hiccups we've experienced in 90 days, and here's where we're seeing it going again." Because I think this is a topic that is going to need to be talked about for at least the next 24 months.
4: For sure, 100. It's an evolving every single day is a new experience. You know, it's a new brand calling up and saying, "Hey, can we do X, Y, and Z?" Or an athlete saying, "Hey, I got this offer. Can we do this?" And it's like, "Yeah, you know what? I guess we should." And you know, uh, uh, someone had asked us a few different times, "What's been the biggest challenge?" in this new landscape with nil and it's actually a really good challenge and the, the answer is endless possibilities endless uh, i we're, we're seeing such unique things that are going to start popping out but look what we're doing with mckenzie mill and jerry king the first ever collegiate nfts from a brand partnering with an athlete who would have thought I mean, if you would have told me six months ago that we're going to start creating nfts i would have laughed i said there's no way we're going to do this and that we're actually selling them on the ethereum blockchain and, i mean that is a totally unique way i mean and it's really interesting you talk to some you know the two athletes that had uh nfts and Eric and Mackenzie, and they're like well now i got these ethereums it's great to now watch ethereum grow when we sold mckenzie's first one came out i think ethereum was at you know a six month low at like 16 bucks a coin now it's at you know three th- three and change you know it's so now it's like he, his investment is growing um and that's something that's unique that we would have never thought of so these new things are popping up every day and and i look forward to watching it grow um from Dreamfield side, but also just in general as, as a fan of college football, as a fan of college athletics, and just see this new changing landscape. I'm excited to see what what, what the future holds, uh, whether the NCAA makes the rules or we in state legislatures keep pushing the envelope and keep pushing forward.
1: Well, Corey, so this is fantastic, man. Yeah, it's really exciting. This was a fantastic interview. Like David said, we'll definitely have to try to get you back on um, in the future here. Again, Corey Sinesia director of external affairs at Dreamfield. Corey, if you can just drop social media handles for yourself for Dreamfield and where everyone can find the great things that Dreamfield is doing.
4: Yeah. Come find us at, at, at Dreamfield co. Um, and you can find me at C Stenicia. It looks like Stan is CIA, like American dad. So at C Stenicia, you you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um we're always posting new stuff and new content for dreamfield and 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 all things nil and and well if you follow me too a lot of politics to come with it so um this politics of sports so it's 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 good stuff and i look forward to joining you guys here in, in a few weeks again
1: absolutely man Thanks, Corey. appreciate you That's gonna be awesome. it
4: awesome talk to you guys later have a good all night have a good
1: one man you too see y'all All right, man. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. Before we kind of do a little recap of our conversation with Corey, I want to ask you, are you looking for coaching on how to tackle interviews or how to prepare for your professional environment after your college career is over? Contact Maverick Sports Consulting to help you be prepared as scouting pulls through your school, as you meet with boosters and sponsors to ensure you can see the opportunities in front of you and you're prepared to take advantage of them. Use the same training, this event right here to my, to my left, the training that has led to careers like Odell Beckham Jr., Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler Jr., Marcus Peter, and many, many more along the way. If you want to invest in your career that has a proven track record of working, contact Mavericksportsconsulting.com today. So, David, um, I know we kind of abruptly ended our conversation. I think the one thing that we could tell out of the beginning, because I really want to dive into Corey for a few minutes here, because I think it was a fantastic conversation. SEC still wins. But I think that it's still going to be an interesting conversation between the new power conference and the SEC. But I really want to dive into everything that you heard. What for you was something, because I know you're heavily involved in kind of understanding the NIL movement and seeing what the next trends are and how the athletes are taking advantage of opportunities and how universities are handling some of the issues that may arise. But for you, just the conversation with Corey here representing Dreamfield, what was a major takeaway that you had?
3: Well, I like how they're trying to standardize the contracts and bring into the position where the athlete will earn one hundred percent of the money, where obviously the business, whoever they're attracting will be paying Dreamfield their percentage on connecting them to the athlete, right? Um, <clears throat> that's all very beneficial to the athlete. I also enjoyed learning how you know there's still legislation that needs to be figured out. And there's plenty of states that don't have legislation and they've sat back and they wanted to see how California, Florida, and the other states that do have legislation, how it works. And then I think you're going to see, and that's why I said next 18 to 24 months, you're going to see different states start putting legislation forward to make sure that they're getting taxation on all this. And again, Corey talked about it and we talked about it earlier um, a little bit too, not tonight, but on other shows that, that, you know, these corporations don't want to worry about tracking the player down for W9s and, and W2s and whatever, <laughs> you know, they just want to be able to hire them and go. And Dreamfield is an organization that's like, hey, we'll take care of that. We get, sure. you know, we'll, we'll bring that on our, our shoulders. So it's a cleaner, easier way for the companies to go to Dreamfield and then contract out the players. You know, it's really an interesting model in my mind um that they're taking on and they're trying to do for the players and all the athletes I should say um and it's awesome that they're getting some non um football players obviously you know the gold medal or the bronze medalists and uh you know other other pe- players and athletes um going to dreamfield to try to capitalize on their NIL um you know I I personally like their model in the sense of they're not so much looking for that $100,000 deal they're trying to help the Manhattan, Kansas and the, you know, Laramie, Wyoming athletes to capitalize in their, you know, small towns on making a few dollars in a legal way and make sure that these athletes, no matter where they go to school, are taking it. Advantage of these new rules you know like one of our former guests dylan gonzalez i mean she would have loved to put her pop album out while she was at unlv like uh right. you mentioned the country album uh, was for that one gentleman i can't remember what school he went to now but you know again
1: I think, it was, I think it was marshall i think it was marshall if my memory serves but sorry.
3: yeah again i i can't remember so i'll go with yours uh marshall but again dylan would have loved to do that right i mean she came on and talked about how the nc2a just preventing her from doing an appearance at a, at a place where she wasn't even getting paid. She was just going to go sing a song or two and they wouldn't let her do it because they're charging a cover charge at the door. Now athletes can walk into that environment and help build their brand off the field as well as on the field. Um, my concern really is sure. okay, from all our conversations tonight, Right, we started with the super conference and the SEC and the advertising dollars, and we're going into NIL with more dollars. Everybody's looking for a way to cash in. But how is it going to affect the field, the mat, the baseball diamond, the court, whatever sport you know gets involved here? How is it going to affect that? And how is it going to affect the young men and women? I know when I went to college and I was 19 years old and I was walking onto my first college campus uh, down at UC Santa Barbara, man, I only had to worry about making grades and making friends. And right now, yeah. a lot of my friends have their you know, first child going to college and that's what they're worried about. This week, I had a lot of conversations with my friends who are parents who have friends or kids going to college and they're, they're worried about making friends and they're worried about the, the you know, sitting alone at, you know, mealtime and whatever. And, and, and that's what honestly college is about. It's like figuring that out. And now you're going to add a layer of making money onto some of these young men and women's shoulders. And I I think that's going to take a little bit of the essence of fun um, away from college. And ultimately it can cause cost the college experience to be, um, kind of a shitty one.
1: Yeah, I I think there's going to be very different experiences and I, I definitely get your concern there. Um, one thing that really stuck with me and I kind of complimented Corey on it for the, for uh, obviously dreamfield perspective is the sense of like we talk about all the time there should be co- there should be college courses right now that are helping these athletes navigate this stuff, right marketing and the ability to like how how you can be basically your own entrepreneur for yourself like there should be different avenues for them to be better prepared for navigating the Nil space. And I think that Dreamfields is a place that, I mean, we talk about they what they say, they launched on July 1st, right? And they already have 500 plus athletes mm-hmm. that they represent. Like, that's big, man. Because I know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just like an ordinary guy and I get messages on Twitter all the time for guys asking me like about NIL stuff. And I'm like, I'm not an agent. Like, I, that's not my world, man. Like, I don't know this. I don't know the world enough, to be honest. And that's why It was nice having Corey on to educate because I learned something tonight. I don't just hope that everybody out there learned something. I, I am here to tell you that I personally just hearing this conversation that we just had, I learned a lot about the NIL space and I learned a lot about Dreamfield, obviously. So shout out to Corey for coming on. Shout out to the expertise and the knowledge that he was able to drop to us and all the listeners. And if you are joined, if you're still listening to us, and if you're not, if you have just listened to the podcast version, we want to thank you all so much for taking a listen to Mavs Forestick episode 54. We want to ask if you could please like, share, retweet, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, five star review. We really appreciate it so much. It helps us to continue to grow our own brand. We keep talking about branding, help us grow as well. David Turner, of course, 18 years scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, and three straight Arena League Championships with the Arizona Rattlers. David, I'm going to leave you with a final thought. My final thought is this was groundbreaking is not the right word. This was very informative for me. Again, it's always great when we have interviews on cause like there's guys that I could just talk ball with and it's back and forth and it's great conversation. But then we bring on interviews like this sometimes where I literally am just sitting there and kind of taking notes off to the side and I'm learning more about the business of football. So that shout out again, to course, Nesia shout out to Dreamfield shout out to you. Of course, my friend for the continued knowledge that you provide to me. What is your final word of the night?
3: My final word of the night is really everybody just hold on to each other and, and, and do what's right by each other. Um, in this world where, we're, where we are really too focused on monetizing every single step we take in life or finding ways to get more likes more social media influence whatever it case may be like your cory say they got 500 athletes and now they can approach major companies about the influencers and the influence these athletes have across the nation and put campaigns together these are young men and women and i know there's a short period of time for athletes to capitalize on their marketing ability and make money but never let never choke out the uh never choke out the kid Never choke out that experience that the child has playing a game in sports. I mean, that's what it's called, playing a game. You know, you get to play a game. You get paid to play a game. Um, You're playing. And whether it's archery or gymnastics or whatever, these are just young men and women that are enjoying something that us old farts don't get to do anymore, and that's play a game. So, uh, you know, let them play. Let them have fun.
1: Yeah, you old farts, right? Not me, because I'm not old yet. But shout it again, to everybody me. out You're there. You're catching I me. I don't think I'll ever catch it. That's not how math works, exactly. But <laughs> we'll be back here, <laughs> same time, same place, eight thirty Eastern time. Math Sports Day, episode fifty-four. Signing off. Hope everybody has a fantastic week. Talk to you again next time.
2: listening To another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit MavericksportsConsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take.